Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. We're here with Steven of Really Hooked. Really, R-E-E-L-Y, Hooked. Um, it's a authentic Florida smoked fish dip, which sounds awesome. Uh, season 9, episode 11, air date of November 26th, 2017. Uh, Steven comes into the Shark Tank asking 75000 for 25%. They've got this smoked fish dip. It's healthy. So uh, low preservatives. Um, doesn't have the, you know, you think like some of these things like a mayo base. It had a very uh, healthy base, um, which I believe was just a yogurt base. And so healthier, fresher, really, really good. Um, 245 calories per container and uh, 32 grams of protein. So sounds super healthy. Um, of course, if you eat a bag of chips, dipping it in, I guess it defeats the purpose. But if you put it on the right stuff, it'd be a healthy meal. These guys uh, are full-time firefighters, if you can believe that. Uh, they had done 10,000 in sales in three months at about 10 to $12 per container, $4.50 to make that container, but certainly could lower it at scale. Um, they want money so they can do the business full-time and not part-time. Obviously, selling it and, and, and growing the business. They got a deal uh, with Mark, 75000 for 25%, an immediate yes, which I would too. So uh, great uh, interview that you're going to see. Obviously, uh, a lot has happened since uh, they were on the show. Um, but great interview. You'll enjoy it. We'll talk afterwards about some of the great lessons. So enjoy. All right, Stephen, welcome to Outside the Tank. Great to have you here and uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. So we're talking uh, really hooked. Uh, it's a uh, authentic Florida fish dip that you created and, and got you onto Shark Tank. Uh, you know, it, you covered a little bit during the episode, but where did the idea for that product and that business come from? Oh gosh, it was, um, well, at the time I was a wildland firefighter. And so health was really an important aspect of, of my life. And, um, through my friendship with James, who's my business partner with really hooked, we started kind of collaborating on what would be next. And I'm a foodie and my family is, and, um, my brother was making a, uh, like a healthier version of like a, uh, a tuna, uh, just, you know, mixing tuna with Greek yogurt instead of mayo as a healthier solution. And I was, a you know, Florida's um, smoked fish dips, like that's the, the staple in Florida, right? So I thought maybe it would work with, uh, with a smoked fish dip, adding the Greek yogurt and creating a healthier alternative to what exists in the market at that time. And so we did like a blind test where I did two fish dips with like a mayo or a cream cheese and one with Greek yogurt. And we took it to the fire station and we blind tested it. And we, we had everybody's uh, vote on their favorite. And it was, it was unanimous on the, uh, the Greek yogurt version. So we were like, we got something here. Um, you know, let's, let's see where it kind of takes us. And what year was that that you came up with the idea originally? It was the year, it was 2016. So we were only, when we got, when we went to the shark tank, we were less than a year. And how did you end up on shark tank? 
Um, it's an interesting story. Uh, so we were selling at farmer's markets. We didn't even really have a business and we were doing really well. Like we were selling out the farmer's markets. We knew we had a hip product. Um, a friend of mine, a good friend developed the brand. And when we saw the brand and what he put together, everything started sort of coming together for the, the business. And I was talking with James, who's my business partner. Um, and I said, why don't we try the shark tank? And I had had a run in with the shark tank and done a submission for a, another type of product years prior. So I had a little bit of experience in that process. Um, and so he's like, ah, we're too early. You know, what, 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 what could we sell them? I'm like, you know, let's for the heck of it. I'll just, I sent a random email and it was us at a, a picture of us at a farmer's market. I did some catchy tagline. Like, you know, we, I think we had our wives with us, a couple of cute, cute girls. And, and, you know, I did some little catchy tagline about hooking up with our fish dip and, um, and that was it. And we didn't hear anything for months. And we came home one day um, from a, we had a health inspector come to our commissary kitchen and essentially shut us down and say, we couldn't operate out of there. And we were really defeated like tails between the legs. And we came home and, uh, James was my next door neighbor too. We lived at the fire station on site. And, uh, I got a random call from, from the shark tank with like a phone interview just out of nowhere. Um, and I did that phone interview and they said, um, they liked everything, the energy, and we were moving to the next step, which was the video submission. And, uh, and then it, it kind of took off from there. Where were you making the product at that point? We were making it at a commissary kitchen in Boynton Beach. And so because it's such a complicated thing from a regulatory standpoint with the smoke fish dip. So you have like seafood and then you have smoked seafood. If we're looking at, you know, sort of a pyramid of difficulty, uh, red tape for regulatory, like where you can manufacture and all that. So we had to have a, a, a HACCP plan created um, to manufacture this stuff, to sell it to restaurants, direct to consumer. It wasn't that hard from a licensing standpoint, but we were selling to breweries at that time and we needed a, a we needed an upper echelon uh, license. And so it was a commissary and they essentially were saying we couldn't do it at the commissary because of how we had to transport the fish and all, all these, these difficult challenges, which we overcame most of those obstacles uh, later on. But yeah, that's, that's where we were at at that time. And how was the, the filming experience for you? I mean, we saw obviously a, a handful of minutes on TV. Uh, how long were you in there? And, you know, anything remarkable during the pitch? Yes. Yeah, so right before the pitch, before we, we got assigned two producers, like we knew we were in like the top 150 or something like that before they told us we were coming out there. And they kind of did. They tried to shun us like, hey, guys, you know, it's a little early. You guys don't have that much sales. And I put together this like this like heartfelt email to the producers um, that was essentially saying, you know, you keep marketing these big million dollar companies. And all it is is a marketing ploy now. You know, Shark Tank needs to get back to its roots and help entrepreneurs that are trying to grow. And I, I sent this real long email and, and, and apparently it worked. Um, they ended up inviting us out there. So then they, we flew out to, uh, they flew us out to LA. We were there for like five days. And um, we, they didn't tell you, you know, you might not air. They swear you to secrecy and say, hey, we, we overcast. And then you don't know if you're going to air. 
on our day that we were supposed to air, they had us in a trailer out at Sony Studios. And we were there from like eight in the morning and until six, they didn't call us till 6 p.m. We were the last ones to go that day. Oof. And uh, and then when we got in there, it was already a guy was like two sharks down and they're having us like cut food and get ready with our our, our presentation. Um, we did. A, and then we do like a little walkthrough to make sure everything's set up right. And the sharks were walking around and Damon came up and shook our hand so that the nerves are real at that point. And then uh, I was super nervous. I had a ton of anxiety, um, but we had we had gone through everything. It was muscle memory. Like we had practiced so much and had everything so dialed in um, that it kind of took over. But right before we uh, the doors open and they were doing like a 60 second countdown, uh, there was a stage manager that came out and was like, hey, did one of you guys one of you guys wrote that email? Right. And I was like, yeah, I wrote that email. He's like, listen, man. I read it. Everybody read it here. It was so inspiring. He goes, take that email when these doors open. And he's like, sell that, sell that what you sold us on out there. And it was like this little pivotal turning point where, where it was just like, took our minds off the anxiety and it put us in mode. And then we kind of, I think we killed the the pitch. I think it was a really good pitch. And we, I think all the sharks enjoyed it. And that kind of, kind of let the, uh, you know, broke the ice i guess what i mean without reading it back i mean what was in the email like what was the general tone of it was it why you wanted to be on the show the sacrifices you've made like i'm just kind of curious what the theme of the email was yeah it was it was sacrifices it was it was more so that we, I had been a Shark Tank viewer for so long, my wife and I, and we had felt like that they had gone in a direction to where the Shark Tank had be, become more of a marketing ploy for for large scale businesses that didn't essentially need the help. They were just trying to get the the marketing and advertising that the Shark Tank uh, allowed, and that that there wasn't there wasn't much risk involved with the investments anymore. And, and that, uh, you know, that we were early stage business, but we're the, we're the type of go-getter guys that, that need the deal that want to take it to the next level, sort of American dream type mentality. Love it. So on air, you get the deal with Cuban. Did it go through? It did go through. Yeah. It, it was difficult to go through though. It, it did. I raised a little bit of a stink with some of his team because it was slow playing and we went through a thick due diligence period afterwards. And then it was like radio silence and we didn't know if it was going to happen. And we were dealing with his team members and, and one of the there was a main guy. And I don't know that he wanted to do the deal, to be honest with you. I didn't know if he if he liked us or the, the business or. Um, but, but it, it went through, it went through for sure. And, and we woke up one day and we were fully funded in the bank account and nothing was ever said, so, you know, it just happened. So then what, so, you know, you, you air on the, sh yeah. What happens after the show airs? Like, how does that change the business? And then once you do get funded, then what? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, we didn't know, you know, you, as a viewer, you have sort of these expectations or what you believe might happen. Uh, it was completely different. Um, the, once our episode aired, um, we, I forget, I believe we funded shortly before it aired. If I, or I, I can't remember that. 
I can't remember exact dates, but once we aired, we were overwhelmed and inundated with, with requests on the website. And, and so we knew that we couldn't ship direct to consumer because of the difficulty of the, we couldn't freeze our product and it, and it had to go cold packed. So shipping was really expensive. So what we did is we tried to get online requests so that we could at least get those emails and those customer lists. Um, so there in the future, we could re, re, you know, reestablish those lists and maybe connect with those, those potential buyers. Um, so, I mean, I believe the analytics, I think we had like 76,000 views on the website in like 24 hours. And we had like 4,000 email submissions. Um, but the problem was, is, is that our infrastructure wasn't there. So a lot of the business, we couldn't, we couldn't accommodate it. That's, that's just the, the truth of it. Um, and that's why I think they don't choose the small businesses because um, it, you, we couldn't really capitalize on all that business. And so um, once we aired that happened, we had a bunch of people reach out like potential investors. We had people trying to connect with us that were, you know, tire kickers or people that were trying to get close to Cuban and were like pitching us business plans. Like it was really weird. Some of it. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then, and then we just, we started trying to scale and, 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 uh, the, the funds, there was no, there was no mention from his team on how we should allocate the funds, what we should, what we should spend it on. So we, I directly went to work trying to lower our cost and our overhead to get our price per container down. Um, and so we started scaling and, and, it, and it worked um, for a while and we started really growing and I was working the business full time. And then uh, what inevitably happened is, is we did run out of the cash that, that uh, trying to build sustainability, uh, build a sustainable income for both myself and James. And, um, and then we hit a manufacturing snag where our co-packer we had developed in St. Petersburg, Florida, um, sold, sold his business to uh, another business. And we, we really didn't have a place to make this anymore on, a, on the scale that we needed to produce it in order to meet the, the demands of uh, retail and, and the places that we were in. And that's sort of where we started hitting some challenge, some difficulties. So at that point, were you, were you doing both retail and uh, some of those bars you had mentioned? Yeah, it was, it was food service wholesale. And then we were in retail. We were in like a, we were, it, it was mostly uh, food service. Um, and then it was, yeah. And then it was that we had some retail locations in Pinellas County, which is uh, Tampa, Florida. And what, and what year was that when you lost the co-packer? Oh, I believe it was uh, about a year later. I believe okay. it was 2017. Okay. And Maybe then, 18. and then what ended up happening? Did you just close down the doors? Yeah. So I, we, we had a run to where like I wanted to buy the manufacturing facility. And so this is where James and I, um, we, we didn't see eye to eye in, uh, on the business he was not interested in acquiring any more debt with the business. I felt like debt was necessary to acquire in order to get to the next level if it was producing enough working um, capital or revenue in order for us to, to keep the business going. And he didn't want to sign off on anything else. And, and, uh, and whether that be another round of investment monies or whether that be at acquiring uh, the business like that was already producing smoked fish and and doing, and it had, you know, 
uh, let's say three quarters of a million in revenue and sales annually, I was, I was looking to, to buy that and take this to the next level. And, and, and so he wasn't, and, and that's where, where we kind of met a standstill. Would you have done something differently if you had to go back to that and, and revisit it? I wouldn't do retail. Um, I don't like the retail environment. The margins are small. Distribution was crazy. Um, I, I think that I might, I might model the business a little differently. Yes. I, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think the farmer's markets were very profitable for us. And I, I think that maybe if we would have just had people working farmer's markets across the state, uh, the overhead's low, no brick and mortar. And I think that we would have done, I think that would have been a, a better route. The breweries, um, what happened with food services, uh, I think that they wanted to utilize the shark tank in the beginning to try to get consumers in their doors. But the food service side, we found out that they are really just looking for that bottom dollar product so that they can increase their margins. And we were selling a fresh quality product and we tried not to deviate for the retailers. Um, the retailers wanted the extended shelf lives. The food service wanted the low cost uh, fish tips. And we were trying not to deviate from who we were. And, and that was a quality, fresh product. So I think that the only way to deliver that was to either have like some sort of fish market where it was made fresh or, or, the, or the farmer's markets. Yeah, I mean, it just, it seems like it's an almost impossible product to really scale. It's so hard. Because so hard. The, only, the only way you do it is to jam a bunch of garbage ingredients and preservatives in there, which defeats the purpose. That's, that's exactly right. And we would not adhere to what the retailers, because we had some big bites and they tried to funnel us into these 60 and 90 day shelf lives that some of these other uh, fish dips have. And it's like, no, that's not a fish dip anymore. Like that, what is in that to make that last? And, and so that was a huge challenge. And then um, the HACCP plans and where you make it. And it, it, it ended up being a very, very difficult business to scale, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm listening to you and I'm like, you know, it's a hell of a lot easier to build a software company than it is to sell a fish tip. It is. And, and also we did try shipping. So we took pre-orders and we ran a, a whole shipping deal and, and, uh, and, it, and it, we did pretty well in regards to the sales, but people were having to pay. I had all these custom boxes made with these inserts that were eco-friendly and they were custom. And we figured we had to sell at least two dips to make it worth their while. And, and then, but you know, shipping was like to, to cold pack it and to do one or two day. And then it, it could sit out in front of someone's house and they have to receive it. And the, and the shipping was more than the fish tips. And, it, and, and we couldn't freeze it with dry ice. Like if we were someone selling frozen lobster and, and we could pack it with dry ice, then we could do a, a four-day shipping and, and drive the price down. But all those things didn't work for this product. Wow. And it ended up being a nightmare, that, that part. Like I was like, yeah, shipping and retail, no more. <laughs> so what what was the decision-making process to wind down the business? Was it like an obvious, Hey, this isn't viable. Or was it something that took you, you know, a number of months to really wrap your head around? Uh, so, so I, James was living in, in Key Largo and he wasn't really like in the business. Like we spoke every day, but I was the one working this business every day. 
And uh, inevitably, I I saw the writing on the wall because we were running out of the 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 money that that Mark had funded us with, and we hadn't like closed like any like big substantial deals where we were like making good enough money for both of us to work inside the business. And I saw I I did see the writing on the wall of uh, three to three to four months in advance. Um, I I hung in there because I had some big fish on the line that I thought might close and like change the game for us. And I believe that maybe we got, you know, blocked out by some bigger guys that, that had, you know, through relationships. I, I, I truly think that happened because I was really close, but it, I had to take care of my family. That's what it came down to. And, and we ran out of money. We didn't have a place to make this. And I didn't see any substantial income coming in. And I have, you know, three daughters and, and my wife. And, and, and so I had to, uh, I hung in there too long almost. And then I had to, uh, I had to figure out the next, the next thing um, so that I could, I could support my family. That's what it came down to. So, uh, so then what? So then I, uh, I relaunched a, a social media management website company that I had, I had opened in 2012 and had some big success with and sold that, that portfolio of clients um, at, I think in 2014 or 15, but I, I retained all the intellectual property for the brand. So I relaunched that and started trying to like uh, network with business owners again to, to just get some income flowing. And I ended up meeting a gentleman that was in the pool business um, that needed a website and like a lot of help with social media. So I, I met him at like an alehouse and I sold him on the package for that. And then in working through the website with him and everything I saw, I identified a bunch of opportunities I could help him with his business. So he brought me in in house for like a year, almost like an, a consulting thing to help him grow his business and bring it into 2022. And the business is super successful. It's just outdated and the process and, 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 and digital aspect of it was, was way behind the time. So I worked for him for a year and we started coming together as entrepreneurs and figuring out how to create an ecosystem within the pool sector um, because it was a leak detection company. So it was very niche in what they did. Um, and so we ended up partnering and launching a pool service business in 2019. Um, and, um, and so that's, that's what I'm doing currently. That's what I've been doing for the past three years is this pool company. And it's scaled and grown very quickly. And why, so look, you're, you're in an area where there's a bunch of pools, but that means there's also a bunch of pool cleaning companies. So what have you done to differentiate yourself or, you know, gain market share in a crowded space? Yeah. Um, so that's a good question. So it is, it's saturated, but there's so many pools, right? I mean, a lot of pools where we're at. And uh, first off, we grew through acquisition. So we, we made, we made uh, four small, well, one was pretty decent size, the first one, but we made four acquisitions on little like pool service companies that had, you know, the biggest one had 242 service accounts. And then, and then the other one had like 76. And so we grew the baseline through acquisition, through purchasing those routes. Um, and then from there, I've, I've opened up separate profit centers so we, we, don't, we service 500 pools a week in Pinellas County, uh, which is like Clearwater. Um, and then we also do repairs and we remodel those pools. So I have, I have three separate profit centers 
And how we separate is a lot of the businesses uh, in this com in this in this town, this area, um, they fail in, in a few a few little areas that that are are. Uh, it's an easy recipe. Um, if you show up, you you do quality work and you communicate with people, um, you can grow. Whether it be air condition, whatever service business you want. So I've I've developed a really positive work culture, something that's a little different than a lot of the other pool companies. And I've I focused on on communication and 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 just doing good business. It's it's real simple. I just do good business and we follow up with customers and we've we you know if you go and you googled us and you look at ratings online for pool companies i mean we're, we're one of the top rated pool companies around and it goes a long way so you know it, and I, that's awesome that you were able to pivot and pick yourself back up you know whatever you whatever analogy you want to use but take yourself back to that time because i'm sure a lot of people would have gone, oh my goodness, I was on TV and I raised money and, you know, it didn't end up working out and turning into a billion dollar company. Like yep. what, why keep going? Like, why not just go get a job and, you know, put food on the table for your family? Why start another business and then end up in another entrepreneurial endeavor now? Like what, what gave you the ability to persevere? Oh man, I, I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic question. Uh, it's probably pretty loaded. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's embedded in my blood. I, I've worked corporate. I was in banking for the first part of my career for like eight years. I, I'm not corporate structured. Um, I, like, I like the idea of creation of jobs. That's always been something that's been really, uh, you know, that I've been passionate about. Um, I just have big dreams and big goals. I, it was really, it was, it was really, really tough pill to swallow. Like you said, going on TV, you know, you see the follow-ups yourself before you go there, you have these grandiose thoughts of what could be and, and, and doing a million dollars, you know, the first year after and all these big sales. And it, it didn't happen for us like that. And, uh, it, it, it's just, there's a built-in perseverance and sort of this want to, to be successful that just drives me. And, and uh, I, I don't know how to pinpoint it. I, I can tell you that I, I just, I have a, 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 a drive that, that I just want to be successful and, and have my own business. And, and, and I, I could, I, I couldn't pinpoint it for you, Tom. Yeah. That's <sighs> Again, it's it's easy to say, oh, just keep going and blah blah blah, and you know it's another thing to actually do it, and you know to take your take your lumps and pick yourself back up. Um, what do it's you? It's risky. Yeah, you know, but so's having a job and getting fired. I agree, and and so now that you mentioned that, so my my father worked twenty seven years for uh for a company. Um, where he inevitably uh, a new uh, a new general manager came in and, and let him go and, and they lost everything and, and you know so that there's a there's a factor there that that's in the embedded in my brain that you know I don't want that to happen to me and my family and, and some of those things where I you know sort of controlling your own destiny uh, it's just important to me what I trust your, myself 
yeah, what, what's your uh, advice or what are your, you know, key characteristics that you think, you know, entrepreneurs listening to this should abide by? Um, if something doesn't work, you, you, you mentioned it earlier, you have to give yourself the opportunity to pivot. Um, you have to stay clear minded because, um, it was, you have to be willing to get knocked down and fail. And, and, and that's the biggest thing and, and be patient. I've been patient for through a lot of things, but this one, this one was a uh, difficulty and you got to swallow your pride too, man. You got to let ego aside because um, to, to, to sit here and, and have a discussion with you, there, there's probably not a lot that, that would want to have a discussion that so it's, it's, you kind of feel like you failed, like, because the shark tank, you know, that company's not doing anything. I still have hopes, you know, in my back pocket that I can reboot that company one day, but inevitably it's not there right now. And, and if I, if I, you have to set your ego aside and, and just look at things realistically, pivot, be patient and, and perseverance and, and just keep, keep moving forward, man. I, I try to, every day I wake up, I just try to be, you know, 1% better or, or see what, what I can improve upon on myself and my business. And over time, I think you'll, uh, you end up being pretty, pretty solid. I think setting your ego aside is a, a really good point because, you know, sometimes people are so, so stubborn or, you know, so laser focused. And again, not that it's bad to believe in yourself, but at some point you have to step back and go, Hey, maybe, you know, the, business concept or idea that's going to help me, you know, retire at a relatively young age, isn't going to be this stupid fish dip thing. It's going to be some stupid yep. other idea, right? Like, you know, it, it, it right. not go, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put my family on the street because I'm too proud and I'm too, uh, you know, egotistical to think that God forbid I was wrong. And I just got into a business that maybe didn't scale as much as I needed it to, you know, sometimes people, yeah. they do have an ego and they do have an arrogance that they can't accept the fact that, Oh, they just happen to not make a great choice. That that's exactly right. And it's, that's, that's the challenge of it too. When we were in it and you're, you're going through these things because you're, the thing is what kept me into is like, there was these doors that would open and you'd be like, okay, okay, I got to keep going because this door open and this could drive me, this could be the opportunity, but then all of a sudden that door would slam shut and you start questioning, when do, when do you jump ship in this business? When is it time to call it quits or do you keep going? And that was something I battled with in the end months. Am I, am I hanging in too long? What do I need to be doing? Uh, and then I, I had random calls from like big companies that would said, Hey, you know, we were interested. Can you send us samples? And I'm like, okay, we're back in. This could be it. And you know, and 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 finally, I said, you know, okay, I gotta, I gotta move on to something else so that I can support my family and and we can we can make this happen and potentially readdress this business and the business model. So what what finally triggered that? Was it your bank account hitting a certain number? Was it prayer? Was it like like what what finally makes you go okay? Today I pull the plug and I figure out what's next. Well, there was a lot of prayer involved. It wasn't prayer that made me go that direction, but it was uh, it was financial. It was really financial driven. I, I there just wasn't anything left there, and so 
you just had to call it what it was. I mean, that's, it, it, that, it was really difficult. <laughs> but that, but that's e that's easy. You know, it's easy to say, Oh, you got to know when to walk away, but you know, there's people that continue to gamble after they should have walked away from the table. There's people that, that's right. you know, will whatever, find credit cards or find someone that'll lend the money, even though they know that, you know, their heart's not into the business anymore. So it's easy to say walk away, but it's another thing to actually do it. But it sounds like, you, you know, you did the right thing. You, you have no regrets. It's not like you walked away too soon. You didn't, you know, crush your family's financial future by staying too long. Like, it, it sounds like, you know, you, you, you did the right thing and, and you struck that balance. I, I, I'd like to think so. I, I, I think so now. There was like a recovery period, you know, to like just this feeling of like failure after like, did I, did I drive a business into the ground that aired on the shark tank and what's Mark thinking? There's like all these things that go through your head because, uh, you know, I want to pay Mark back and, and I want to do these things. And, and, and so those part, th those were mental challenges that I had to overcome because at the end of the day, when you can look at it as a failure, but, but I mean, the learning experience and, and the total experience of the shark tank and everything that we went through, I, I would never take back. And, and so, um, but the business model wasn't there the first round. It, 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 we didn't have a proof of concept. I think Mark knew that. I think that's why he told us to be patient in the episode and asked us if we could scale slow. And we did scale slow. It just wasn't, it wasn't at the, the speed enough where it was sustainable, you know, for anybody to work it full time and continue on that path without, you know, it just wasn't sustainable. That's it. You know, it's, it's interesting. And I'll, my last question for you, it's, it's kind of a long winded question, but you know, as you're, as you're talking and I'm thinking about, you know, your journey and, and frankly, I'm also thinking about my entrepreneurial journey too. It's like, don't you feel like it's important to like, if we're going to look at ourselves and we're going to look at what we've done, that it's not about any one idea or business or concept, but it's, it's really about the journey in totality. Absolutely. It, it, it's all, it's all a journey. And when I reflect on my life and we're, we're talking about little sections of it and of, of business, I mean, the whole journey is all just learning experiences and it, it, it gives me the flashcards. You know, if this, the pool company is, is extremely successful in its first few years. And if I didn't have those flashcards to pull from those learning experiences that I had from going to the shark tank and, and, and having some of those failures and successes, um, then I wouldn't be, I don't think that I would be able to, to have the maturity to run the business at the, at the level that I do now. And, and, uh, I'm very thankful for those experiences in the beginning. Like I said, it was difficult afterwards. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I'm very, very thankful for the journey that I've been on where I'm at with my family and just, um, my entrepreneurship journey. I, I'm, I'm very, very happy. Well, so appreciate you making the time uh, for this conversation. There's for those listening and, uh, you know, taking mental notes, there's some great lessons to be learned here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I hadn't really thought much about that, but, you know, I think it's important for all of us not to, 
get fixated on one idea, one concept, and you know, go go look at the vast majority, if not every successful person that you know. There's a lot of failures in there as well that don't get the notoriety and public, uh, you know, the the publicity of the wins. But uh, great conversation. So appreciate your time and uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks again, Tom, for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, we're back and definitely some great lessons here and obviously a lot transpired between being on the show and now, uh, but I like those stories and, and it's really cool when an entrepreneur wants to talk to us, even though the idea that they went on Shark Tank for that got funding didn't like take off and make a billion dollars. And, you know, it's interesting if you've listened to a lot of these episodes, you realize that we typically talk to the people that have knocked the cover off the ball and, you know, are doing great things. Rarely does someone say, hey, you know, it was not a great experience or, hey, I've pivoted since. And we do have some of those. And, and I so appreciate their vulnerability and willing to talk to us. Um, you know, he shared something interesting and he said, you know, it's a really tough business to be in. And I think sometimes, and I know we're excited about our idea and we have this great thing, but sometimes we have to recognize that some businesses are really, really hard. And so you think about this and how do you scale this business? You need fresh fish. You don't have a bunch of preservatives, so it's not going to have a great shelf life. You really can't ship it anywhere. If you did, it would be on dry ice and it would cost too much and that would be no good. So like really tough business. So even if you make the greatest fish dip in the world, where, how do you how do you scale that? I, I I don't even know if I have an answer. I mean I you know maybe there's ways at mass scale and different manufacturing plants throughout the country and getting it into big restaurant chains. I, I don't even know. So really really tough business and that's a shame when you create something that's great and better than like most if not any other uh, products in your category of like a really really healthy fish dip. But there's no way to get it into millions of homes. Um, he pivoted and he pivoted to support his family. And, you know, uh, I, the quote I wrote down was setting aside your ego. But, you know, sometimes you have to say, hey, this business won't scale or I got to pull the plug on it. Or as Mr. Wonderful says, take it out behind the barn and shoot it. Right. Like sometimes you have to do that and you have to do it for yourself. You have to do it for your family. You have to do it for your your mental and physical health. And uh, he went ahead and started a new business in 2019. They took over these other uh, pool companies. I like acquisition. If you feel like you have a really strong business, it's okay to buy other books of business. And so I, I love the acquisition strategy. Um, you know, I, I think he's got a future in, in something in that, you know, fresh fish uh, food business. Yeah, he really wants to get back to that. But for now, um, he said, do good business. And it's true. Treat your customers right. And so I thought that was great. Obviously, doing a lot with this pool company has scaled it, has built it. Um, great lessons there. Lessons on pivoting, lessons on, you know, knowing when to pull the plug, lessons on scaling, lessons on growing his current business. So great stuff. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed it. And as always, we'll see you next week on an all new episode of Outside the Tank.